Radio. St. Clair and the Virtue of Poverty. A talk by Father Gary Devery at CapFest 2017. Let's ask the assistance of the Blessed Virgin Mary. She's always the one who opens the way to, to seeing Jesus Christ and hopefully through this um, talk tonight, Claire can show us also the, the way to the heart of Jesus Christ. So let's call on the Virgin. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Capuchin saints and heroes, but I want to go to the source of all the Capuchin saints. Their source, their font is always is, is Jesus Christ, is the most blessed Trinity, obviously, but in our tradition, it is Francis and Claire. And so each saint you can go back and find in Francis and Claire already the virtues, the, the spirituality that will be shown forth in our particular charism each, in each one of the, the saints of the Capuchin tradition. Francis and Claire put before us having a gaze. And the gaze is not towards each other. I want to dispel first of all some of the Mythology you have in some modern cinema. If you've seen Zeffirelli's brother, son, sister Moon, well, Zeffirelli is a, a great director and his Jesus of Nazareth is a masterpiece in some of those scenes, such as the Jesus using the, the in Zeffirelli's film, Jesus of Nazareth, the, the, the parable of the prodigal son where he brings Peter and Matthew together. It's it's artistic, it's masterful, it's insightful into the gospel. I've used that many times when I've been preparing children for the sacrament of reconciliation, having the parents and the children watch that particular scene. So I don't want to disparage Seferali, but his life of Claire and Francis in Brother, Son, Sister Moon, I don't have that same uh, attitude towards it. I think it's, um, it suffers from being... Uh, done in the time of the 60s, the, the flower revolution sort of thing, and it, it suffers from that sort of prism. Have you heard of the great Eloise and Peter Abelard? Some of you? Okay. Most of you know? Okay. So Claire's born in um, 1194. Before, maybe 60, 70 years before that, there's a great tragedy, romantic tragedy that's even more tragic than Shakespeare's Romeo and Juliet. You have Peter Abelard is a young man who looking to enter as a cleric to become part of the, the hierarchy of the church as a, as a priest. And Peter falls in love with this Eloise. And Eloise becomes pregnant, and the, the pregnancy is hidden. She's taken off to a convent. The child is then adopted out. And, and then um, the father of Eloise makes sure that Peter and, and Eloise marry secretly. But Peter is still ambitious for this career of being a cleric. And so he puts Eloise away into a convent. Now, that wasn't a very sensible thing to do because the father says, well, if you want to be a cleric, I'll fix you. He organizes a team to break into his room and he fixes him well and truly he castrates him, basically. So the romantic love of Peter and, and uh, Eloise is brought to this sudden end. What happens years later is that Eloise is the abbess of a convent and also is Peter. And so historically there's these great romantic letters between uh, St. Peter Abelard and Eloise. If 
Okay. But the gaze of Eloise and Abelard is towards each other. That's not what we're talking about. Just want to dispel completely anything like that between Francis and Claire. Francis and Claire stand gazing not towards each other. They gaze towards Jesus Christ. That is the gaze of Francis and Claire. So let that that be very clear because there's a lot of romantic notions and mythology around the relationship of Francis and Claire. There's none of that involved in, in Francis and Claire. So let's start with Claire. She's born in 1194. She's less complicated than St. Francis. Francis starts his, his, does the act of conversion where he's, um, he's impri- he, the struggle with his father, he's imprisoned from his, by his father for giving away the money as part of when he's on this road of conversion. He, his mother lets him out. He ends up three days hiding in a, in a, in a pit, which is really the uh, very symbolic, but it's, it, he does three days there. And then finally, he comes up out of that tomb, walks into, the, into Assisi, into the front of the bishop, and that's where he does that great renunciation where his father calls back his clothes, he calls back all his goods. Francis takes off everything and says, I no longer say Peter Bernardone. From now on, I only say our father who art in heaven. That happens when Francis is about 24 years old. Those years leading up to that, Francis is very wounded in his, his youth. He suffers from being a slave to the affectivity of his father and for the dreams of his father. And his father let him do what he wants. And he, left, he led a, a fairly um, immoral life when he was a young man. Claire is different. Claire is not wounded by the sins of her youth. The statutes of the canonization indicate that from a very tender young age, she had this disposition towards piety, towards prayerfulness, towards a service to the poor. In fact, um, one of the witnesses who's called before the tribunal of canonization, who is um, Lord Raniero of Assisi, he gives witness saying, I asked Claire's father for her hand in marriage many times. She was a beautiful, pious young woman. He gives witness to this. And each time Claire said no. Because already the Lord had stirred up in her this holy desire. So she comes from a very well-off noble. Her mother is a Roman noblewoman. And um, her father, he's a... Uh, his account of the Umbrian region. So the actual status of the family is, is very well, you know, they're a fairly well-off and um, powerful family in, the, in that region. What I want to look at in this is, which we'll look at, we've got the first here, is to look at, not to go through the, the, the life of St. Clair, but to go through a series of letters that she writes to Agnes of Prague. Agnes of Prague is younger than Claire, so Claire's born in 1194, Agnes is born in 1211, and she's the daughter of the king of Bohemia. Anybody know where Bohemia is? We were, we were there last year for those who went on the, on the World Youth Day. It, the Czech Republic, uh, part of that area is, is... And so her father is the king of Bohemia, as is done for the, those who belong to the powerful families, if she's going to marry somebody, it's going to be somebody powerful. So her father is trying to marry her off to the son of the, the king of, of Germany. So as a young age, she goes, sent to a convent to be educated, prepared for this. But political situations change, and um, the one she's supposed to marry... He's married to some other princess somewhere else. And then um, the, her father, the king of Bohemia, wants to marry her off to King Henry 
Uh, which one is it? Uh, uh, doesn't matter. Henry, one, anyway, one of the Henrys of England, whichever one it is. <laughs> There's a few of them. So you can see what's going on here. This is this type of life that, that Agnes is growing up with. Um, the rich, the powerful, but that is blocked. Blocked by the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire himself. Why? Because his wife has just died and he wants to, to marry uh, Agnes of Prague. But Agnes of Prague by this time has had enough. It's not that the women at that time were, were um, or, you know, just um, without power, without influence. She's had enough. She goes directly to Pope Gregory the Ninth. So all the Capuchins here will know who Gregory the Ninth is. <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> but this is amazing. This is, you think of this. Here's Agnes. She's got supposed to go and marry the most powerful person in the the Western world at the time, the Emperor. No, she's had enough. I'm not going to be part of these arranged marriages for political reasons anymore. She goes, appeals straight to the Pope, and he gives her permission to then go and form a monastery, a, contempt, a monastery of nuns, because that's really what she wants. So Gregory, uh, Gregory the Ninth is uh, Cardinal Hugolino, who was the protector of St. Francis and the, and the friars, who becomes Pope. So he knows, he already knows about St. Clair and, and St. Francis, and Agnes has this same desire to, to be living this sort of life. So he gives it, he blocks the em, emperor, and, and so Agnes ends up living in um, somewhere in, in, uh, around uh, in the Czech Republic. There's this monastery. Agnes is there. She becomes the abbess, the, the mother superior. And so what we have here is letters. There's a series of four letters that are extant of only, unfortunately, only of the, the writings of Claire to Agnes. Obviously, you can tell from the reading of the letters that Agnes uh, is writing back to Claire, but they don't, they're not extant. They're, they've been lost. So that's one of the things I look forward to. There's a whole series of things, but in heaven, I want to, write, I want to read the, the letters that Agnes wrote to Claire. It'll be, it'll be fantastic. It's, it's sort of, eternal life will be full of really these really thoroughly interesting things. And I want to sit down with J.R. Tolkien and say, well, you've given me the condensed version with the Cimmerillion and the Lord of the Rings. Now tell me all that was left out. So that'll, these, are the, these are the things of heaven. All right. Anyway. So what I want to do um, is to go through these, not the four letters, that there's too much in there, but just little bits of them to show firstly in this four, we probably won't look at Francis, but Francis, and I'll just say it now because we probably won't get there, Francis, if you want to see what he highlights in his whole spirituality and what he's dealing with in his life and his personal life, and his life living with the friars, is about obedience. And I would put my money on that that comes from the fact of that broken relationship that he has with his father. There's no, nowhere in the biography of, of St. Francis or his writings do we hear about a reconciliation in this life. But Francis is a, is a sensitive man, so we have accounts of where his older brother sees him sitting there with some of the friars in his dirty, ragged habit and, and mocks him years later, which probably indicates that that son probably is still with the, with the whole, is still in, in a slave to the, the, to the uh, affectivity of his father. So it would indicate that even years later there wasn't that reconciliation. And so the spirituality of Francis, we'll see, is very much tied to his freedom and this is the key. We all th- we're educated in the world today to think that freedom is to build myself to the capacity with power, with possessions, with things, to be in a position where I can do whatever I want. And that is complete and utter slavery. Freedom is the capacity with 
freedom with the, with the will to obey to another. And this is what Francis does. He finds that our father, he will say, I will only now say our father, and he bows his head in obedience to God the Father. And this is what he seeks in all, all the events of his life. What is the will of the Father in this event? So that's Francis. So, but Claire is different. Claire, and we'll see with Agnes, Claire and Agnes, they know what they're giving up. Claire is giving up awaiting to this Lord Raniero, who is a very influential, powerful man. She can be the top lady of Umbria if she marries him. Agnes, even more, she can be the, the queen of the Holy Roman Empire. What we see in this is that this virtue of poverty, what I want to show you is two things. A solid spirituality is the basis for how do we arrive at the, all the virtues, and with Claire we'll just look at poverty. Claire shows us a, a very clear way of doing that, three steps. Let's start, but we want to start with solid spirituality. What, what do I mean by that? I've heard some conversations in the last day that, that put before me the fact that some of you have solid spirituality. And I'll give you a practical example. I don't want to point one of you out because then it's like, um, who was it, Father Alridge, I think, was saying, was it, said, if, once you think you're living in simplicity, you've lost it. Is that, was it Father Alridge said that? I was awake at that point, eh? <laughs> so I don't want to point out, so, but it's impressive talking to... to you think you have it, you lose it. Okay, that's it, exactly. Yeah. So if I say, look, you've got a solid spirituality, then you'll be, oh, well, look at me. <laughs> right, I don't want to do that. All right. So I'll give you an example of two years ago. That How many of you remember a conversation of two years ago? It's not that easy, is it? It has to be Christopher. Put your hand down, Christopher. <laughs> you do, if it's significant. I, I agree, if it's significant. Um, I'll give you an example of a, of a cap fest two years ago. So uh, Anita's big sister, uh, Rita. All right. Don't tell her this because she'll lose her. <laughs> you don't want to make her proud, all right? I remember that panel we had, and I sat there and said, this is, this is great to hear a young person like I've studied theology. Father Thomas, well, he studied fundamental theology at the Gregorian University under the Jesuits. <laughs> My goodness. <laughs> Father James, he's even studied at the Angelicum under the Dominicans. <laughs> oh. Father Lum, who was here, he started at the, at the Gregorian under the Jesuits too. Well, they've, they've studied. Maybe some of... <laughs> But <laughs> a, a Roman holiday. <laughs> but what is what is impressive of what I want to say is that Agnes didn't study theology. Claire didn't study theology. Maybe your sister Rita has. I don't know. Sorry, I'm gonna. She has her. Okay. But she but she didn't study at the Angelicum or the Gregoriana, did she? No, no. But I just said, anyway, I remember her sitting on that panel and, and um, you were, everyone was giving their ex little experience of what they're doing. And this is what I remember very clearly. And this is a solid spirituality. When we go to, when we, we prepare the food, this is the Chaldean community helping uh, with the van ministry. When we prepare that, we prepare that food, then we go out there, we, we set it out, and then they come up there and then... They can choose. One might choose, I'll have the lettuce, I don't want the onion, I'll have this. Others might say, I want everything. What I remember her saying is this, is that maybe that's the first time in the whole week that somebody has given them a choice. That's, that's a profound, solid spirituality in that with these people who are coming, poor people on the street, they've already, their circumstances have really put them down and the society puts them down where they're, you know, you give them a, a cold sandwich and you think you're giving them something great. And you, I mean, it's good to do that. But to actually give them a choice, that's to respect the person. 
to, to raise the person up to, to, to a dignity, to, to actually beginning to have a, an equality of, of, of conversation. So it was this very simple statement, but when I heard it, I said, that shows what the Chaldean or Chaldean, excuse me, Chaldean community is doing and is, is something, is based on a profound understanding. And so that's just an example amongst yourselves. There are some I've heard conversations, but I'm not going to nominate who for that one just from two years ago. So that's a solid spirituality. So this is the spirituality. This letter is to Agnes. And I want to just highlight in this first letter, we can grasp a bit the, um, the whole understanding of Claire's understanding of herself, yourself, her sisters, and of Jesus Christ. For though you, she's writing to Agnes, for though you, this is Agnes, more than others could have enjoyed the magnificence and honour and dignity of the world and could have been married to the illustrious Caesar. You know who Caesar is. The emperor. With splendour befitting you and his excellency, you have rejected all these things and have chosen with your whole heart and soul a life of holy poverty and destitution. And this is where Claire will concentrate on this. Why poverty and destitution? Thus you took a spouse of more noble lineage, more noble than Caesar, this illustrious Caesar, who will keep your virginity ever unspotted and unsullied, the Lord Jesus Christ. Because with this spiritual betrothal, between Claire and Jesus Christ, this virginal love, between Agnes, sorry, and, and Jesus Christ, Agnes can become fruitful. She becomes this mother of all these sisters. She is the one who forms these young sisters into women of faith. And these women of faith, they stay in that monastery and live together and make the church, the domestic church, just as in a family, the domestic church is made present, where in the, it's good. That's one other thing. I, I, having some of the conversations with you is, is, is great to see how, whether it's the, the uh, table with the, the Filipino, to see how strong, I know that in Plumpton, how strong the Filipino community hands on faith to that, that whole tradition of handing on faith in the family and, and the Vietnamese community the same how they can have this capacity in the Chaldean community to hand on faith. It's something precious. It's really something that, that, um, that is, is really the treasure of, of, of the church in Australia, this, this capacity through the various groups. Sitting there talking to, who was it today, Ray, about um, the prayer. Uh, was it Shomlek uh, Miriam? To think that when you pray the that address of, of the Gabriel, uh, angel Gabriel to, to Mary is still being prayed by in the same, in the same language that Jesus, the angel Gabriel used to Mary and that Jesus spoke is being used by some of the members here in their, in their liturgical prayer. That's, for me, I mean, I get excited about that. I don't know about you, but I find that that's a richness. That's, that's, that's fantastic and uh, how did I get under that? Doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> and I remember now, this whole thing is that Agnes is there in her convent because she has this unsullied virginity that she can betroth to Jesus Christ, having her gaze on Jesus Christ. This is fruitful. She gives, she forms these young women into this fraternity, this community, and then they're missionary. They start when they got too many to live in that monastery, they then send a group of sisters who form another monastery. This is the almost the Benedictine, the monastic model, um, a bit different to the friars who are moving around all the time. But it's very fruitful and it's very powerful. And that becomes a place of, of faith on earth where there is the domestic church and others then 
begin to be attracted towards that and the, and the, the, the family life is, is encouraged. It's a, Agnes's auntie is um, St. Elizabeth of Hungary. It's amazing to see these families, they're saints, handing on faith to each other. Agnes is not, not canonized until um, John Paul II canonizes her 700 years later. It doesn't mean she wasn't a saint then. She was, she was a saint. It's just letters between two saints. All right, so I want to start here. For this solid spirituality, I, I want to start with this phrase, and then we'll read through the whole thing once to put it all together. What Claire writes here is a profound insight into the human condition. Actually, I, wonder, I won't get to Derola, but uh, people who were in utter poverty. This is the, the sentence that I want to start with. Claire here is talking about the utter poverty of people who are living their life without love. People who are living their life like Peter Bernardoni, Bernardoni wanted to bring his son up into a life where what matters is power, influence and money. And you will walk over anybody and crush anybody just as he will crush his own son if he doesn't want to walk that way. He says, I want everything before the bishop, a father declaring before the whole village, he is no longer my son. And Francis will renounce him. Because he's already, the father's already renounced his son. This is what Peter Bernardoni, when I, we pray to God that, that he was converted by seeing the grace that the Lord did with his son. But this is the real utter poverty that Claire is concerned about. The poverty of sin. Sin incapacitates me to be who I am called, to be a son, a daughter of God who can donate myself to the other in love, to be in relationship. This is what we are called to be, to be caught up in my own self with my own ambitions, my own project, my own will. Claire understands this well. I'll read the whole verse and go through it. Be strengthened in the holy service which you have undertaken out of an ardent desire for, she doesn't say Jesus Christ, two nouns, the poor one, the crucified. This is, this is, this is how Claire nominates the Lord she loves, the poor one, the crucified, poor crucified, who for the sake of us all took upon himself, and this, she goes right to the heart of it, the passion of the cross, and delivered us, she's including herself and each one of us, from the power of the prince of darkness, to whom we were enslaved because of the disobedience of our first parents. Even though Claire puts an emphasis on poverty in her spirituality, in the life of the virtue, she understands that, and Francis is strong on this, the key to that life of poverty is opened up by the opposite to this. When Adam sins, she understands this. What happens is that, and this is where Francis lifts this out dramatically, when Adam, the Catechism of the Church says this, it's very, a very um, powerful passage in the Catechism of the New Catechism, not so new now, 20 years old, but the Catechism of the Church. When Adam sinned, paraphrasing now, trust in the Father's love, died in his heart. Trust, this is what faith, faith is trust. Faith or trust in the Father's love, in that relationship, died in his heart. And so he became the one who, the devil is the father of lies. And Adam becomes, we never lose the image, but the like spirit is lost. The image is always there. We are always, we're, the image is never corrupted or lost. We are created in the image and likeness of God and our vocation always and always remains to be in love. But the image, that trust in the Father's love, dies in Adam's. And what does he do? He becomes the accuser. This is the, the devil is the accuser. He, puts on, he takes on another spirit. It was the woman, accusing the woman, that you, accusing God, put with me. 
this is at the heart of what Claire has this insight of a solid spirituality, that this is the human condition that leaves us in utter poverty. So what is the answer? Claire knows what the answer is, that God the Father has given the answer in the poor crucified who comes is sent with this one mission, that he will go on the cross. So let's read the whole thing now. And uh, We've read that first bit. Be strengthened (laughs) in the holy service which you have undertaken out of an ardent desire for the poor crucified, who for the sake of us all took upon himself the passion of the cross and delivered us from the power of the prince of darkness to whom we were enslaved because of disobedience of our first parents and so reconciled us to God the Father. And this is the, now she goes into this aspect of Christ now. She'll fill, she'll fill out in especially the fourth letter which we'll go to very quickly. The foxes have dens, he says, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man, Christ, has nowhere to lay his head, but bowing his head gave up his spirit. If so great a good Lord then, on coming into the virgin's womb, so the spirituality of Claire, we'll see, will be based in these three things. The, the incarnation coming into the virgin's womb, she mixes it around a bit, the the labours of Christ over the three years, who chose to appear despised, needy and poor in this world. That was his, his three years of his life. So that people who are in utter poverty, that in the real poverty Christ is coming to address is the sin that, that strips away that relationship that leaves us alone. And want, poverty and want, and in absolute need of heavenly nourishment. The nourishment that we want is this bread from heaven, this, this Jesus Christ who is the food given to us by the Father that comes down from heaven into the womb of the, of the virgin. In him, by possessing the kingdom of heaven, then rejoice and be glad. So she's writing this to Claire to encourage her in, in, her, in her ministry to the sisters. You know, I am sure, that the kingdom of heaven is promised and given by the Lord only to the poor. And this is this emphasis on poverty. You know, Claire, amazingly strong woman. In some ways, the power, you might say, of the Franciscan movement wasn't Francis. Sorry, sorry for all the, for Thomas and for James. and <laughs> They've been learning this for years. No, I, I seriously, uh, I'm not going to stake, I'm not going to do a debate with a Franciscan scholar, not a Franciscan scholar, but I actually think the fact that Francis, at the key moments of his life, always would send Brother Leo, one of the other friars, when he had to really make a decision, Claire, Chiara, the clear, had the clear eyes. Francis, he, he, yeah, he didn't trust his own, because of his own situation, he didn't trust his own judgment on this. He would always say, in this really difficult situation or a decision to be made, send the brothers, go and ask Claire. And he would obey to Claire. Whatever Claire would send back, he would obey. Because she was the one who, because she was so clear-sighted, because what makes us different in our mission in the world with our solid spirituality is what makes the Christian different to anybody else is not that here we've got so many talking to you over this weekend, so many different people studying, working in so many different fields, different ethnic backgrounds, so mixed, so universal. What makes us different from others is discernment. That we have the same problems, the same difficulties, the same troubles. Being a Christian isn't a guarantee that you're not going to have any problems in your life. You're probably going to have more. Because the holier you get, the more the Lord will invite you into being, I'm jumping ahead here, but the passion to becoming living the experience of Christ in your flesh because he's given you the capacity to begin to pray, not only with your mind, but also with your body and your sickness and your difficulties for the other. As already said for um, uh, uh, Thomas, Father Thomas did that with um, Solanus Casey. Um, All right. Okay. (laughs) Can Can we share... Can we share in your joke? 
<laughs> about Solanus, Solanus Casey, where... <laughs> it's a private joke, that one. <laughs> uh, no, no, he's distracted me. I've, what was I saying, Matthew? Um, <laughs> what? Oh, that's, oh, very good. So you're, you're, you're listening, yes, yes. Okay. So, yeah, Claire, that's what... So, I, behind Francis, you see that Claire is this one who, who has this really a pow, this she's this powerful woman who basically has this discernment. This one who has these clear eyes to to be able to read the events and to be able then to to counsel. This is what she's doing. She so Claire um, understands. This is what I wonder. That's right, That's what I want to do. Is this whole thing of poverty for Claire? She's a, a strong woman, um, determined in that for over 40 years, she will hold out against uh, bishops, against cardinals, and against popes who want to impose a rule on her saying, Dear Sister Mother Claire, what you are asking of you and the sisters is impossible. To own nothing, no property, who's going to be your protection? Who's going to be your security? And Claire will simply go back to the bishop, the cardinal, and the pope, and say, Jesus Christ will be my security. Because Claire writes to Agnes, You know I am sure that the kingdom of heaven is promised and given by the Lord only to the poor. Matthew. Matthew or Luke will be the poor in spirit. doesn't matter whether it's the poor or the poor in spirit, body and soul, both together. If you, they need to, there's no duality there. For he who loves temporal things loses the fruit of love. Peter Bernardoni, fathers Francis, loved temporal things and the relationship, he renounced his son. Why? Because his son was giving away temporal things and he was enslaved to the, and he became enraged this ravenous creature who would devour even his own son to have this, this temporal. So for he who loves temporal things love, loses the fruit of love. Such a person cannot serve God and mammon. For either the one is loved and the other hated, or the one is served and the other despised. Because at this time, Claire's not the only one having different bishops and them saying to say Agnes of Prague, what you're trying to do for your sisters is just too much. It's too radical. You have to take something. And, and so Claire is encouraging Agnes, hold out. And Claire holds out for 40 years. It's, who was one of the other friars was saying about the, uh, the guardian who finally gives the permission for the friar to die? Who was saying that, Matthew? Who was saying Our oh, Father Elridge, all right. Claire is the same. Finally, the Pope, she, she even beats the Pope into submission. He sends this letter with the rule of proof that Claire and her sisters can possess nothing in this world. And Claire receives that and two days later dies. It's, 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 it's amazing how, how um, the spirit of this... So this is Claire. And, be, and so Claire is the, the real power with her sisters praying there and the friars being sent off here and there. The... The heart of the, the power, the, the electricity we turn off, the fact that this could be shining here is because there's a, well, if we had a nuclear reactor in Australia, it would be like the nuclear fuel that's burning to give the power. That's what the contemplative sisters, the, um, the poor Clares, were doing for the, for the mission of, of the friars. There we go. In time. Nobody's keeping time. I shouldn't have asked. <laughs> <laughs> We got that's the solid spirituality of Clarice, and it's really it's based in human experience. People are destitute, poor. Why? Really, because of sin. That's the real thing. What's the answer to that? To, To fall in love with Jesus Christ, and the key to that is poverty. To know that our only security, our only real possession that matters is Jesus Christ. Anything else? That there's a barrier to that has to be rid of. All right. 
it's important. So what we're doing with you here, often we don't know what we're, what we're doing either, but what we're, is part of this whole thing of developing a solid spirituality, whether it's with the friars or in your, um, in your own parish communities, your uh, Chaldean community or your you know, the Vietnamese community, that faith that is being handed on, that catechesis is really very important to have a solid spirituality, to have a solid knowledge, but not just knowledge and information, but to understand, St. Paul VI said this, that what this generation needs are experts in humanity, who understand that why is the person, why are young people in, in why does New Zealand that is much more prosperous, doing much better economically than Australia, and Australia is right up there at the top, why are so many young New Zealanders having mental health issues where they're killing themselves? New Zealand has got one of the highest in the developed world, and it's one of the most prosperous. We have to be experts in humanity to understand that because the young people don't have a reason to live, because they don't know that who they are, they don't know that they are sons and daughters of God, and only in this can they find who they are and live who they are called to be. And this is, we are called to be these experts who know this, who experience it. This is the solid spirituality that we've seen in that last, in that first letter. Now in the second letter, Claire will outline to Agnes the way to this, the key way to this solid spirituality. And that will be effective prayer. The Franciscans have the charism of the Franciscan and Capuchin tradition is affective prayer. I must say, I used, took me took me years and years. We did, we did all this in the vision. What is this affective prayer? I still don't understand it. But hopefully now, um, 37 years later, I think I got a bit more of a, an idea what they were talking to me about. And it's very clear. I should have read this 37 years ago and it would be very clear. So hopefully I can be clear with you about this. Effective prayer, and there's steps that, that Claire, there's three steps that she, she puts before us. I'll just read through this first. So she's writing to Agnes now, second letter. These letters, what impressed me too is that the first one to the fourth one is, spans 20 years, but you, see, you would think they were written one week after the other because they never lose sight of the key. It's, you, usually somebody 20 years later, if they're going to write this, you know, it's, it's changed a lot what they're writing about. No, it's like Claire is so zoned in on what is so essential that she just, it's like, that it's just written one week after the other, but it's 20 years. Between the, the second letter and the fourth one is 18 years. And you'll see that they, they just flow on one to the other. So, anyway. so to Claire she's saying, but you, no, Agnes is saying to, Claire is writing to Agnes, but you, Agnes, as a poor virgin, embrace the poor Christ. Look upon him who became contemptible for you. He, he became... He became that one on the cross who was who, who that people who had to look away. He was contemptible for you. The most beautiful, the most handsome one becomes contemptible, and follow him, making yourself contemptible in the world for him. Because Agnes could have been the the queen, the the wife of the emperor. Your spouse, though more beautiful than the children of men, became for your salvation the lowest of men despised, struck, scourged untold times throughout his whole body. This is effective prayer. Claire is putting into writing what Claire is praying every day, how she's praying. We can get an insight into how, what happens when Claire is there in the chapel. She's looking, this is the key here, Scourged untold times his whole body and then died amid the sufferings of the cross. O most noble queen. She's nominating Agnes queen because she renounced being the queen, the, the, the wife of the emperor, of Caesar, of Alexander at the time. Gaze upon him, upon the poor crucified. Consider the poor crucified. Contemplate the poor crucified as you desire to imitate him. So these are the steps which you'll outline further. First to gaze, first thing in the prayer is to open the mind, the eyes of the heart and look upon, actually look, look and see who you're looking at, a person, 
to be in this, not some ideal, some, some uh, God. No, it's the poor. It's this one who you have a relationship with, this poor crucified. Gaze on him like a lover. Gaze on, gaze on the one you love. Contemplate. Have this desire to what you see to be, you become a template so that you can imitate in your life, in the practical aspect of your life with the sisters. So that's the key there, the gaze, the consider, the contemplate and imitate are the steps. Now if we go up further, she'll, she'll outline for us a practical way of doing this. So stop there. Gaze, consider, contemplate, imitate are three different stages in the life of Christ. So, what um, Claire uses, and it's, uh, it's part of the, that the writing at the time, is the, she, she'll talk about using the mirror. At those times they had, especially in the, the richer, well-off families, so certainly Agnes, but even Claire would have been used to, they would have the, a big bronze dish that, is, that was, so it's concave, and it, it's polished. So this is what you're using as your mirror. So as you look at the outside, it's a bit more distorted. You can get somewhere in the middle where you actually see sort of what, and then it goes to distort. So she's using, going from the parameter into the center in this, in this language. Because these women have been brought up, they're rich, they're, they're used to having beautiful, beautiful dresses and, 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 and uh, beautiful things. So you can imagine in their bedrooms they would have had these, these big bronze mirrors. Not in the convents, but this is she's talking in the, when they were growing up as um, rich young princesses and ladies. So, inasmuch as this vision is the splendor of eternal glory, the brilliance of eternal light, and the mirror, this is where this mirror starts to come in, the mirror without blemish, look upon that mirror every day. So she's using, here Claire is using this, the, the comparison between being this young princess of the king where, you know, you, when, what they say is that uh, when Claire was actually was beautiful when we were on the uh, pilgrimage, your sisters there in um, the church of um, Rafino, which is where Francis and Claire were baptized, on the last year in the pilgrimage, they took us up, into, showed us into the, the common area, and they took us out that the de- in the Roman families, the rich Roman families, when somebody died, they would never take the, the body outside the front door. Yeah. Maliocchio probably, but uh, let's say there's a good Christian tradition there. Was, um, they called it the, the death door, was, was another door where they would take the body outside that door. When Claire escaped, helped by the other women of the conspiracy against the father. I don't think he minded too much. He didn't show too much resistance and try and send troops to get Claire back. But she actually escapes on Palm Sunday through that, um, that, uh, that door of death. That's another. Francis renounces in front of the bishop. Claire renounces, in a sense, going through that, that door of death on Palm Sunday. And it's said in the um, biography, as we, there's very clear writings on the, from the canonization. They did some, we have very precise documents, they say that on that Palm Sunday, um, before that happened, Claire had gone down with the other young women, All they used to show off, they'd all get there, all the rich young women would sit at the front seats and all that, then they would come up and actually get the palm, which is the, the palm is the sign of being Christian witness, the martyrdom, uh, from the bishop, Claire didn't, she stayed back in her seat, and um, so there was something already going on, and the bishop came down to her seat and gave her, gave her the palm. And then that night, she, she escaped. So I have no idea why I got into telling you that, but I think it's about the split. Oh, about the fact that as young women, they're in their homes, they're, they're, dressing, they're, they're dressing up. So they, she's using that image of that mirror that, they, that they've been raised to look beautiful for the world, it's changed now. Look upon that mirror each day. But what is the mirror she's talking about? There's no mirrors in, these, in the convents of, of Claire and uh, Agnes. O queen and spouse of Jesus Christ, and continually study your face within it. How many of you young men here study your face in the morning? Come on, be honest. You say it's just the... It's just <laughs> we've got so one, one's a bit of... 
<laughs> Father James, put your hand now. Don't be so honest. <laughs> he look, he's looking for hairs. Isn't there <laughs> oh, look. <laughs> but this is what was, this is what Claire is, play, is playing on here. Continually saying to her, look, as just as we're trained as young ladies to make sure we're looking impeccable, how many hours have we stood before the, that, that bronze mirror? Well, now continually study your face within it. But what is the mirror? We'll find that in, not going, don't move it, but we're going to find that in the, in the last paragraph. So that you may adorn yourself within and without. It's all about beauty, it's true. Beautiful robes. And cover yourself with flowers and garments as the young women would cover themselves as they were getting ready to go to church. Of all, not the flowers now, the physical beautiful flowers that the rich young women could have on, in their rich families that the poor couldn't afford, the flowers of the virtues. Cover yourself with, with the flowers and garments of the virtues as becomes the daughter and most chaste bride of the Most High. Indeed, this is where we find it. Cover yourself with blessed poverty. And in that, if you live it in that spirit, unattached, knowing that the true richness is Jesus Christ, you will become like Christ, contemplating him, gazing on him, contemplating him. You begin to become humility. Christ is the most humble, the last one. And what does Christ do? Christ is God is love. Christ is on earth is the love of the Father sent on the earth to donate himself to each one of us. And so become ineffable charity are reflected in that mirror, that mirror that you are to study. What is that mirror? As with the grace of God, you can contemplate them through the entire mirror. Now let's look at this. So you've got the bronze mirror and these so that knowing that there's the parameter is different until you get right into the center. What's at the center? Look at the parameters of this mirror. That is, so there's three things. It's the three stages in the life of Christ. That is, the poverty of him who was placed in a manger and wrapped in swaddling clothes. Sometimes we can make the manger look really nice. I remember Padre Atanasio, who's dead at Leichhardt, would have the uh, Prosepia, the Christmas crib that was... It was uh, had an angel. It was on a railway track, and the angel would would come come around. It had a bowl in its hand, and it goes through the mountain. It was very nice. The Italian thing, Prosepia, is very good. They do with mirrors. It looks like it's huge. It's only about this wide, but it looks like it's as long as deep as this room. But there's all these mountains seen. So the angel would go and then go through the mountain and come back out here, come around, then come out and have the bowl there, and the children would go up and put the money in, into the bowl and, and it go over here. And as it's going over here, it tip it into the mechanicals. Kids used to love it. Some of the mischievous ones used to pull the head off it and stick the head. <laughs> it was just a, an angel, a baby with, dressed as an angel. <laughs> put the, so you'd have to go and get the head out of the thing. And stick it. But, um, but I remember as a student friar, I had the job as it came to Christmas of cleaning that. It was only open once a year. And... That's what a manger is. You would go in there, you wouldn't tell the parents this, but you would put big rat traps because during the year, and there's a school right next door, so the rats are there feeding. It was full of infested with rats. It's no different to um, you go, you go in, out, in the, out in the country. You, um, you, I remember going out to uh, a dairy farm once um, down near Bow Desert, and there was a big carpet snake in the, in, the, in the main milking area. And I was saying to the farmer, well, you just let him live. And he says, oh, he keeps down the rats. Otherwise, the rats fall on the milk, the milk and we have to drag them out. And, and I actually never understood what he said. I thought, well, that doesn't sound very healthy. But just so I've got time for one diversionary story to the Thomas. <laughs> Quickly. <laughs> it's, about, it's about a manger. <laughs> we used, as these these places got it easy. We used to, we used to have to get up early. We had prayers to get to, so we could study at six a.m. in the morning. We had cows. I'm a city boy, sent to Plumpton, which was rural, and you had to physically you have to get the cows in, chase them, 
get them down. They were cantankerous ones that we had, three or four cows. You had to physically, had to learn how to milk first. Had little muscles in between here by the time I... But, but this is, you imagine, you'd have to get up at 4 a.m. in the morning before you, in the middle of winter, say July, like this, get the cow in there, and um, then you'd, the, the one was up, she was really contained, you'd have to tie her leg back or she'd try and kick you all the time, and then it was so cold, you'd try and get your face up under the utter there and, and do, but I, under, I understood that farmer when he said, oh, otherwise the rats fall in the vat and we have we have to pull them out before they go anywhere, otherwise it spoils the milk. I thought, well, isn't it already spoiled by the time? But then, what would, what would happen? You imagine this, you've done all this effort and you're milking this cow and then suddenly she, she, she um, exercises, moves her bowels and, and, you get, and you sit there with your but you're trying to get out of the way quick enough. This is 5.30 in the morning, but a few little things fall and then you go... Now, what do I do? Do I waste this bale of milk that I've just put, or do I quickly get the, the, bro, the, brothers, the brothers don't know? <laughs> then I understood the farmer. I said, I can understand you. But anyway, that's not completely, it's not, it's, that's a true story, but um, it's, not, it's not completely digressionary in that that's what a manger is. A manger is a place that, not fit for a child. It's 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 un, it's dirty. It's and this is where this is the poverty that the the Lord, the King. Where is he born? Not in like for Agnes. You know, Agnes is born in a in a, in a castle in a as a, as a princess. He is born in a manger in this rat infested place out in the sticks, wrapped in swaddling in just whatever clothing you can find to keep him warm. Oh, marvellous humility. Here Claire begins to erupt into this, into this prayer life that she has. We're gazing on, on this mystery, looking at the poor crucified. Oh, marvellous humility. Oh, astonishing poverty. The King of the angels, the Lord of heaven and earth, is laid in a manger. Then at the surface of the mirror, so... That's, that's on the parameter. Then you're going in further. At the surface of the mirror, dwell on the holy humility, the blessed poverty, the untold labors and burdens which he endured for the redemption of all mankind. This is the three years of this apostolic activity of Jesus. Now we go to the center. Then, in the depths of that same mirror, Contemplate the ineffable charity. So move from, from the, the incarnation to the, the works of Jesus Christ and then we go into the center. What are we gazing at? What are we looking at that's reflected? We have to, is reflected back. Then in the depths of this same mirror, contemplate the ineffable charity which led him to suffer on the wood of the cross and die thereon the most shameful kind of death. Therefore, that mirror... Suspended on the wood of the cross. It's beautiful, that phrase. That mirror. That's what he's saying. We, Agnes, we don't, you have to teach the young ladies who are joining you. They, don't, they, have, they can't be interested anymore in that physical mirror about their own. They've been trained in their, in their life to be beautiful. But we want them to be beautiful. But the mirror that they have to look at now, that mirror is suspended on the wood of the cross. It's the most beautiful one. Gaze at at the beloved, at, at, your, at Jesus Christ. Urge those who pass by to consider saying, all you who pass by the way, look and see if there is any suffering like my suffering. They're full of the scripture. She, they, just, they just breathe the scriptures, the letters of, of Claire to Agnes. Let us answer him with one voice and one spirit, as he said, remembering this over and over, leaves my soul downcast, downcast within me. From this moment then, O Queen of Heavenly King, let yourself be inflamed more strongly with the fervor of charity. This is, this is where, it, this is where we, it ends, this road. So having a solid spirituality then leads us to, how do we do this? In, in, the, um, in the effective prayer, it is to use a very... Look, 
that Holtus wallet's not a the uh, Dominicans they say gave it to us, but this tradition of the of the rosary it make it part of your life because it's so practical here in our prayer. You you are taking what you're taking what what Claire is inviting through the 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 manger, the joyful mysteries into the um, with now the Pope John Paul II, we even have the the luminous mysteries and um, the mysteries of the resurrection, that center and and the and the the suffering and the and the resurrection, those mysteries of the rosary, so that we can end at what most important the king of the queen of all virtues is the charity from Saint Paul, really what Claire is saying is reflected in Paul that we can gazing at this mirror on this cross and gazing, contemplating, and imitating, we can have the same mind, the same feelings, the same heart as Jesus Christ. This is what Claire is saying to Agnes and what inviting her to hand on to her sisters. So I think I'll, I think I'll stop there. That was Father Gary Devery with St. Claire and the Virtue of Poverty at CapFest 2017, which was hosted on the theme Saints and Heroes. And for more talks, interviews and shows, visit creadio.org.au.